So tonight we're going to be looking at the next passage in Ephesians. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, you'll know that I'm slowly going through Ephesians and we get into the end of chapter one today. Um, and today I want to look at how in this passage, Paul shows how he views the world through some lenses that God has given him, which transform how he views the world. And I want to suggest that if we ask God to give us these lenses, to allow us to look through these lenses, it will transform how we see each other, how we see him, how we see the world. Now, any of you who know me will know that this analogy is close to my heart because I love taking photos. Uh, case in point, while you were all praying for Sarah here, I was taking a photo from over there. I'm not sure whether that's <laughs> a good thing or a bad thing, but I love taking photos. And a little while ago, my uncle um, said to me, who has the same make of camera, he said to me, I have a lens that I never use that I want to give to you. And I thought, great, and it's this lens. I'd been using this lens, and I put on this lens. And any of you that have cameras or understand anything about this will know how much it changes the photos that you're able to capture depending on the lens that you had. When I changed to this one, it totally transformed the photos that I could take of people, of faces. It changed how far away I needed to be from people. I could now stand at a good distance, like if I'm standing here, I can take a photo, a lovely photo of Donald. And um, whereas with this one, I had to be much closer to see any details. The colors were great. The, the, just the quality of the photo and the focus totally changed it. And that's what I want to look at tonight. I'm going to look at three lenses that we see from this passage that God offers us. Because although we can muster up all our strength and goodness and say, I'm going to be a better person, I am going to look at things in a more grateful way, I am going to understand more about God there is a limit on what we can do for ourselves. And it comes to a point where we have to choose. Will we let God give us these lenses? Will we allow him to transform how we see things? Will we allow him in to change us for the parts where actually we struggle, where we fall short? And they're the th three things that I'm going to look at this evening. Chloe's going to come now and um, read the passage for us and then we'll go through it part by part. Sorry, I can't get that to the right height for you. <laughs> for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. 
And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thanks. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We pray that you would transform our vision, that we would see you more clearly, and that we would see each other and the world in the way that you see us. In your name we pray, amen. So, to begin with, I have this question, what are we grateful for? Coming up to Christmas, and there's all kinds of wish lists and present lists, and it's often easier to think about what we want, what we haven't got, than what we have got and we can be grateful for. And I've got a little video just to illustrate this idea of sometimes we take for granted what God has given us already and we actually gloss over them because we spend too long looking at actually what is it that I want and uh, it's just a funny little video to get us thinking. <laughs> I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah! Oh, yeah. Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Uh, honey, the power works! It's coming, it goes on and off! Whatever we want! <laughs> We've got clean water! Oh, that's great! Look at that! Ooh! I bet I know what this does! Bring down the glorious water! Ah! Shoes! Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food. Mm, I love food. What? A beef beef? Do you not have work? This is awesome. Look, look at him. He, the what? John, be careful. Oh, I have a car. This is great. Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car. A car. <laughs> and don't forget your coffee. So, I wonder what we're grateful for. Um, it is easy, isn't it, to take things for granted. And particularly, I think, when we're thinking about people, it's easy to think what there is wrong with the people who I spend a lot of time with and to maybe complain and moan about it. And sometimes it takes more of a concerted effort to think, actually, there's a lot to be thankful for here, a lot to be grateful. And Paul begins the passage that we're looking at today talking specifically about something of people that he is grateful for. It says, for this reason, which if you go back to my last uh, sermon, it will look at what came before this, which is for this reason. 
Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I wonder how many of us and who it is that we can think of that we've not stopped giving thanks for. Might be, might be people we've not stopped moaning about. Are there people we've not stopped giving thanks for? And this is the first lens. It's a new lens to view each other through. Paul shows us a new view to use of each other. A lens that he's clearly already put on. And it's not that he's writing to the Ephesians here, and it's not that he is saying this because he doesn't really know the Ephesians, and actually he's only seen their good side. They were actually one of the churches he spent the most time with. He knew their weaknesses, he knew their flaws, he also knew their strengths, and he loved them. And he knew that he was grateful for them, regardless of knowing the full thing about them. And while we think about our view of this, it's a bit like looking through a lens. Have you ever looked through a lens and seen things upside down through it? Now, I'm not going to go into the science because that's not my forte, but sometimes you look through a lens and you see everything upside down. And this is what it's like with God. We need to ask him to give us a new lens, to see things how he sees them. And our eyes, as he gives us that, our eyes adjust to see things the right way up. Apparently our eyes see things upside down and they adjust to see things the right way up. And God gives us those eyes. And if you've been looking at our Advent resources about the upside down kingdom of God, a lot of the time the way God sees things, the way he calls us to see things is upside down compared to society. Society grumbles, moans, it's about getting my rights and I will complain against anyone if anything is slightly against my liking. God calls us to acknowledge the gifts he's given us, to be grateful. And it's not that we ignore the bad stuff, we'll come on to that a bit later on, but he does value gratitude. So where we see each other as slightly odd, slightly confusing, we often don't understand each other. A bit like this photo, it's upside down. What are we really seeing through this lens? When we ask God to give us his lens to view each other through, we get a very different view. And now it's still perhaps a slightly odd photo, but it starts to make more sense. We start to see things that look familiar, that maybe we have in common. Can anyone recognize the building in the background there? This is a photo that Dave sent me. Um, despite our differences, we begin to see things that we have in common. Why was Paul giving thanks? It says in the passage, he was giving thanks for their faith in the Lord and their love for each other. And I found this quite a challenge to me. How often do I take you guys for granted? And especially challenged when I think about people around the world who risk so much to gather with other Christians and the value that they place on that. And yet, sometimes I'll be at home and I'll think, oh, it's raining. 
It's cold. I don't know if I can be bothered. I'm tired. It's been a long day. Should I go to church? Should I not? And then I think, oh, I should probably go. I feel guilty if I don't go. And I turn up. And I turn up. But I turn up out of guilt rather than out of the joy of the privilege of meeting here with you guys, which is what it is. And yeah, there's divisions amongst us. We have arguments sometimes. We don't agree on every little thing. There's people that irritate each other. I'm sure I irritate a whole load of you. But think about how much we have that unites us. And that is what Paul is looking at. That is how he's able to be grateful for them. He knew their flaws, but he was thankful for these things that united them. Not least, faith in God and our love for one another. And the more that we start viewing through this lens of gratitude, the more that that faith and that love grows. And so the first lens is a new lens to view each other through, a lens of gratitude. And for each lens, I want to give you a practical response for this week. And I wondered whether maybe you could think of someone. And if you want a little bit of an extra challenge, think of someone that has irritated you this past week, or maybe has been irritated you for a long time. And then try and think of something that you are grateful for in that person and let them know. Write to them, send them a message, give them a phone call, go for a coffee with them. Let them know that you're grateful for them. I can see Mark hugging his wife. Maybe he's already here. <laughs> um, so that is the first lens. Second lens that we're going to look at is one that can shift our answer to this question. What do we want for each other? Again, we're coming up to Christmas. We're thinking about what to buy for those people that we love. What do they really want? What do we really want for them? For our kids, for our loved ones, for our friends, for our family, whoever it might be. And if we think about the things that we really want them for them beyond Christmas, it's all kinds of stuff. It might be career success. It might be that they'd be happy, that they'd have healthy and happy relationships, that they'd have physical health, that they'd have good academic results, that they'd be good people, that they would maximize the gifts that they have. Perhaps we would like someone to become a Christian. And these are all good things, but actually, Paul has a much bolder and bigger, more life-changing desire for the people he's writing to. One which I think would transform each one of us and our whole church if this was our number one desire for ourselves and for each other. But it would take us accepting a new lens from God to help us see things better. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
He's talking about a new lens to view God through. This lens is one which helps us to see God more clearly, more fully, to know him better, not just with our minds and the facts, but with our hearts, the relational reality that really changes things. And again, as we think about lenses, so often I think that the lens that I view God through is like looking through a black and white lens. It's not incorrect. Everything I'm seeing there is in the picture. It's correct. I see him. But it's so limited. I see so little of all that he really is and all that he's actually capable of. And so mostly he stays inside that little box that I've put him in. Because I don't ask him to come out and I don't expect anything more of him. And a lot of the time, to be honest, I quite like my little black and white picture. It's easy, it's comfortable. And yet, in reality, he is so much more. And this is what Paul's talking about in the passage. He's so much wider He's so much deeper. I haven't even skimmed the surface. God wants for us to see him more fully, to see the full breadth, to see the full color of who he is. There's so much more to life than what we often want for ourselves and for other people. If we allow God to alter the settings on our vision, and ask God to do that for those that we love as well as for ourselves. What are we asking for ourselves and for those that we love? What is Paul asking in this passage? Firstly, he wants them to know God because he knows that that will transform their vision if they'll let him. And the same for us. He wants us to be enlightened instead of confused. To have hope instead of despair. And if we think of the world around us, if we think of society, this is a gift that is so valuable to us, to those around us, to our world. He wants them to know the real riches instead of fleeting ones. Real riches in God's people, in a relationship with them and with him. And he wants for his great power to act in our lives and in our world instead of our finite, flawed human control. And we see that power on the cross, in what happened. On the cross when he died and made it possible to be in that relationship with him. And on the cross when he was taken down and three days later when he was defeated death and came back to life. We see the power of the God we follow. 
And we want to see that God in full color. We don't want to miss out on any of those things. This prayer is one of the biggest gifts, biggest gifts that we can give to ourselves, but also to each other. It will transform us, and we want to offer this to each other. Later on in our service, there will be a chance. We will be offering you this gift. There will be people that can pray for you during communion. This is the best gift that we can share together. It's the best thing we can offer to each other. And so, as we want to take on this lens from our God, we want to see in full color, I want to encourage you, why not pray this passage in Ephesians 1 for those on your Christmas list? that they would know God better. Or maybe you have a card list, or maybe you don't have a list. In which case, I encourage you to go home and write a list of all the people you saw last week, or all the people you're gonna see this week. Pray over them. Pray this gift over them. It's a better gift than anything else you're gonna give them this Christmas. I'm not saying be stingy and don't give gifts. Give them this too. And secondly, could we commit to or recommit to having a regular time each week, each day in each week, to invest in getting to know our God better and asking him to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that Paul speaks of in this passage. He can give us the lens. My uncle could have given me this new lens, but if I chose never to use it, it wouldn't have made any difference to my photos. God is offering us this vision. But it's our choice whether we choose to then use it, whether we choose to invest in that, whether we choose to actually look towards him. I could keep the cap on and try and use it. We have to actually look to God and spend time with him. And so I encourage you to spend some time with God this week and set aside a regular time to do that. So we want to see each other with gratitude. We want to see God in full color, the fullness of the God we follow, not just a limited little safe view in black and white. And then the third lens that Paul has will affect our answer to this question. What is our view of the world? Now, if we look at our world at the moment, it might be a negative view. There's division, there's broken relationships, there's poverty, there's illness, there's war. Seemingly, there are evil people in power around the world. It doesn't look great. But this passage offers us a new lens to view the world through, and it's all to do with perspective. It's not that the bad things aren't there. All the bad stuff is there. But is it the whole picture? And how do we change our perspective? Does anyone know who wasn't here this morning what that is that we're looking at? One person got it this morning. Oh, Adrian, very, oh, very observant. It's the carpet that I'm standing on. Not a great photo. I mean, it's a fine carpet. I didn't want to offend the people who had chosen it this morning, but I've uh, <laughs> got into all kinds or whatever. It's fine as a carpet, but it doesn't make for the best photo or the best view. 
And the bad stuff in our world is there. It's not that we shut off from that, it's not that we ignore it, but it's to do with perspective. How do we change our perspective? And this is the same photo further out. It's not that we ignore the bad stuff, it's really important to care. To build God's kingdom with him means working against evil powers and building the compassionate, just and wholesome kingdom here on earth. But our perspective affects our ability to join him in this. If we think the bad is all that there is, we lose hope. If we focus on injustice only, we end up bitter and unforgiving. I read about a uh, woman this week in the news, some of you might have read it, an Israeli woman who, um, before all this war started, she worked for a charity that drives into Palestine and takes mostly children, but very sick people, and takes them for um, healthcare appointments in Israel. And uh, and drives them across the border. And she said on the 7th, when Hamas attacked Israel, she said she felt like something inside her broke. And she thought, to herself, I am never going to speak to the people of Gaza again. And then a few days later, she said she was reflecting on this, and she thought, I cannot let these atrocities change me. Because the last thing that this situation needs is more hate and bitterness. And so she's gone back to driving people from the West Bank to their health appointments with all kinds of um, comments and abuse thrown at her for doing it. And and a lot of the volunteers of this charity have carried on taking seriously ill, often children, to things like chemotherapy appointments, things like that. And she said as soon as she is able and they open it again, she will go back to Gaza and carry on bringing them for the health care that they need. Now, she is painfully, acutely aware of all the bad stuff that's going on and that has happened. She's not ignoring it, but she knows it's not the whole picture and that actually her focus, if her focus remains on that, it will wreck her. But actually, she needs to move her focus to continuing to show care and compassion And I found that really challenging, that story. The bad and the brokenness is there. The carpet is there in that top left-hand corner of the photo. But the center, the focus, the main thing in our vision is something else, which is where we come back to today's passage. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And then this bit. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. He is above everything, all the bad, the evil, the brokenness. He's above it all for us, for the church, 
if we'll accept the vision to view the world in this way. And how can we take on this lens so that in our hearts, not just our minds, we see Jesus above all? For a start, we have to shift our focus. If we spend all our time, even now that we have the whole photo there, if we spend all our time looking at the carpet in the top left-hand corner, our vision of the baptism becomes blurred. If we spend all our time looking at the brokenness of this world, our vision of Jesus and his kingdom and power becomes blurred. So what can we do to take on this lens? We seek to shift our focus, to spend more time soaking in his word as we read and as we study and meditate on the Bible. And we spend more time in that than on reading and soaking in the news. We do read the news, but we seek to do everything from a perspective of prayer, from a place of depending on and taking everything to him who is above everything else in prayer. So that when we're reading the news, or when we're thinking about our problems, or when we're thinking about our friends and their struggles and what they're going through, it's from this perspective, one of bringing it all to God in prayer. In other words, we aim to see the whole picture we read the news, we campaign to our politicians for change, we stand for justice and wholeness, we help our friends and our family, but our focus, the perspective we aim to maintain is that Jesus has been placed above all. And to do that, we keep our minds and hearts soaked and focused on him and his word. We give him regular time in our diaries. However, there's another important factor that helps us to keep our focus. We are his body. It says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We are his body and he is the head and we are connected in relationship. My head and my body have blood pumping between them all the time. There's nerves sending messages all the time. Again, biology isn't my hot thing, but you get the message. If my head and my body were separated, I wouldn't be speaking to you right now. And it's the same with the church and with Jesus. We are connected. It's a live, ongoing relationship. We can't be separated and independent from each other. This relationship is key to us maintaining this perspective of Jesus as central and above everything else in this world. If we just read the Bible and said our prayers out of a sense of habit and guilt, came to church just because otherwise I'd feel guilty. We will see God. We may even know him really well in our minds, but it won't be alive. It won't change our hearts. 
the anxiety of the world around us will still be dominant. The pressures of society will be the greatest influence on our decisions. Because he will be head, but in theory, not in practice. We know it, but it's all out of perspective, and we end up with the wrong ideas and the wrong attitudes from it all. Like this picture, we see it all, but if we weren't there last Sunday evening at Ben's baptism, and had never seen a baptism in real life, and then it might be you in this room now, could be forgiven for thinking that Donald and Sam were torturing someone here <laughs> and shoving someone under the water, and who knows what is going on in this picture. <laughs> the thing about this lens that Paul has that allows him to see the world in perspective with Jesus above all is that it's an ongoing vision. And it is one that will go on, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. It's one of hope, and it's one that looks back into the past, and it's one in the present. It's centered on Paul's ongoing relationship with Christ. And if we look at this photo that we had before, here we see another little glimpse we see that it's Ben. We have another little clue about what it's all about. But if we put 80 photos together from that time, we see a far fuller picture. As he comes out, if you look out for it, you even see a little smile on Sam's face. It's obviously something good. Ben's there, he's not fighting them. And then they pray for him. There's something good going on. It gives us a very different view from the one where they seem to be pushing someone under the water against their will. We see that it's Ben. We see them pulling back up. We see the smile. We see them praying for him. And like this, it's possible to know God and yet still have the wrong perspective. The relationship is what brings us to a place of really knowing him or seeing the world in perspective of loving. And so, as well as spending time in his word, an essential part of this relationship, we also speak, seek to spend time in relationship with his people and regularly asking him to fill us with his spirit to take the lead in our hearts and in our lives. That is when our vision is really transformed because he comes into us and he gives us his lens to view through. So these are the three lenses that have the potential to transform our lives. But more than that, to transform our church and therefore our community and then further afield. I'm going to finish by reading Paul's prayer in this that we've just looked at and as a blessing over us all here today. Joel and the band are going to come back up now. And if you'd like God to give you these lenses, if you would like to see each other 
with more gratitude instead of moaning, to be truly grateful for what Jesus did for us on the cross. Then I would encourage you to join us in communion. And perhaps you'd like someone to pray for you, or perhaps you'd like to pray with someone you came with, or perhaps you'd just like to spend some time reflecting on your own in your seats. But let's have a heart of gratitude for Jesus' body, broken for us. And if you would like to see and know God more fully, full color, for who he really is in all his fullness, and would like to see your loved ones come to see him more clearly too, in all his self-sacrificing, life-changing, world-changing love shown to us on the cross. If you would like to gain a better perspective of this world where what happened on the cross is central and has made Jesus king over all, his blood shed for us so that we might be in an ongoing relationship with him, then I invite you to share in communion. Whenever you're ready during the next few songs, there's communion up at the sides and there'll be people there who are happy to pray for you in whatever it might be, whether it be particularly in one of these lenses, whether it be something that you arrived here tonight with on your heart, whether it be for someone you love and something that's going on, they're happy to pray with you or for you, just ask them. But we encourage you during the next few songs to go up and to take communion. I invite you to stand now as I read this passage over us as a blessing in a slightly different version so that we don't gloss over it. Because I'd heard that you are loyal and faithful to Jesus the Master, and that you show love to all God's holy people, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of Messiah Jesus, our Lord, the Father of glory, would give you in your spirit the gift of being wise, of seeing things people can't normally see, because you are coming to know him and to have the eyes of your inmost self opened to God's light. Then you will know exactly what the hope is that goes with God's call. You will know the wealth of the glory of his inheritance in his holy people, and you will know the outstanding greatness of his power towards us who are loyal to him in faith, according to the working of his strength and power. This was the power at work in the Messiah when God raised him from the dead and sat him at the right hand in the heavenly places above all rule and authority and power and lordship and above every name that is invoked, both in the present age and also in the age to come. Yes, God has put all things under his feet and has given him to the church as the head over all. The church is his body. It is the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Amen.